0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson.
2: Welcome. This is the live room we've been doing after the games. This will be the Civilized Bargain Postgame Podcast. Uh, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd both here inside Ford Field uh, about an hour and a half after the game. So uh, we appreciate you guys coming in. You can, you know, chat along and then eventually, um, you know, time and conversation permitting, we will di- dial a couple of you in. Um, I thought last week that was good. So uh, Jason, the Browns weren't good again. You know, they... <laughs> the bills were flat and looked like a team that had some turmoil and hadn't practiced. The Browns had a chance, um, to really, you know, get some separation. Um, two balls go off the hands of the tight ends, right. Then they fumble and, you know, not just the immediate effects there, but it creates extra possessions and eventually the bills find traction. They figure out, you know, this isn't us, but we can run for six or eight or 10 yards when we need to. And everybody does that on the Browns. Right. And so, um, you know, of all the coaching cliches, complimentary football is, is up with the list. We hear it. And the Browns just don't play. it. You just don't ever see, pin them deep and stop them. Turn it over and score. Right? Score and get the quick stop. Like, you just don't see it. And, yeah, you got to play really, really well to beat the Bills. But the Bills brought their C game today. Left the door open and uh for you. And, and the Browns couldn't separate. Outgained them by 80 yards in the first half and trailed at halftime. And then in the second half, you know, just couldn't get stops. And that's kind of been the story. I think there's several stories. And, you know, the season's not teetering. The season's been over for a long time. But I I feel like things are teetering because it's the same shit, different toilet, quite frankly. It's it's breaking. It's starting
3: to break. And, you know, it, it struck me, and I said this to you, in the press box before we started this, Kevin kept talking about the the mistakes on offense and, you know, the, t- the drop touchdown catch in the end zone by Harrison Bryant. That was brutal. Uh, you know, missing fourth and one twice with Brissette, two sneaks, come away with nothing on those. And he kept alluding to the the mistakes that they made offensively and leaving points out and finishing drives and all that. And, and I get it, but defensively it it's like, I I really hate like calling for people's jobs because I think it's, it's irresponsible of us to just flippantly do it. But Zach, it's, it's time. I like Joe Woods. They have to make that call because they're losing the locker room. And it it, it became evident today to me that they're losing defensively. They're losing these guys. The frustration is, is bubbling over Grant Delpit's talking about it now on the record. Miles Garrett is talking about it, that there's a lack of importance at practice and, and some of the other things. I haven't even seen the full Miles transcript because I was in the locker room but it right. sounds like he may have been putting on a sermon um in the in the interview room so I I want to go back and read it. But um and I was talking to other defensive players who are just fed up and disgusted with the scheme and 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 just begging for changes to be made and they're they're losing them. And there's still too much of the season left for it to be at this point already. Like, if there's one or two games left, you know, that's one thing.
2: But there's yeah, – We're We still have half a season to go. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not going to dispute much of what you said, but this is going to be a good conversation. And I'm I'm going to devil's advocate a little bit here, okay? Uh, Please. A lot, a lot bit here. Okay, so you fired Joe Woods, right? Um, do you promote the run game coordinator? Well, that's the problem – like who right. who are
3: you but here's the thing so do you just keep because they, like i think we know by now like andrew and kevin do not make emotional reactionary decisions to anything that's not their style but if you don't do something i i
2: really think you risk losing the team oh, okay i i i won't I, I again i'm not disputing that part um other than okay who who do you promote um whoever takes over you know help Greg Williams back, bring Vince Lombardi back, you know. um, There's no defensive tackles. Correct. There's like one and a half linebackers. Yep. Right. And you have guys who have been in this scheme for three years, have succeeded in this defense, and they're not. So, like, they they spent a lot of money on this defense. John Johnson makes a lot of money. Garrett makes a lot of money. Clowney makes a lot of money. Denzel, even with, yeah, Denzel makes a lot of money. Even with Newsom down these are these are guys with pedigree and contracts, and we've seen it. So, like, you know, I, I he's probably not going to be back, but in the short term, in addition to who do you hire, what what does it do?
3: Well, I think it shows the players in the locker room that you haven't given up and you're still trying. Honestly, like that would be my answer okay. to that right yeah, now in I, the moment. I, I,
2: think. I can. I can buy that as a financer um, for right now. But you didn't Long show the players. Long term it solves nothing. It yeah. solves nothing. But, but I mean, again, I mean, we're talking about like a lot of tentacles here. You didn't show the players in the locker room you, you could win because you, you made Jacoby Brissett their quarterback for, for most of the season. I've
3: been saying that all year <laughs> and getting destroyed for it. That they, <laughs> gave up, they gave up on the season when the suspension went to 11 games and they didn't do anything at quarterback. I've said that from the start yeah. and people just want to fight me on
2: it. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing about what guys say and whatever, and, you know, I, I do think in many cases, like, especially in losing situations and especially with the Browns, it feels like every damn year, right? Like the press conference is becoming a game of their own or some a sport of their own is, is a little too much. Right. But I also have a problem with Miles continually saying this stuff and Kevin or someone not nipping it, nipping it in the butt. Right. Like maybe you're right. Maybe it just needs to change. So they show we're serious. We failed. He's not getting you ready. But like all of this passive aggressive stuff and all of this miles using the term very detailed and how they attacked us and just spitting it out slowly sentence by sentence, you know, trying to throw his coordinator under the bus and it's like the fourth time, right. Or the eighth time, like somebody has to nip that shit in the bud because it's just a bad look. I agree with that. And also like, Miles isn't exactly
3: having a Defensive Player of the Year type of season. And so, I mean, none of these guys are, really. So, it's like, so do you want them to be honest in how they feel? Yes. But at the same time, I don't know that any of them are putting up a performance worthy of, you know what I mean? Like, it's.
2: it's You're right. It's, You're right. It's, it's 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 both. Like, there's, again, there's plenty like, of blame to go around. I, I think you could sit here and say that the biggest thing the biggest Browns problem for the last two weeks and much of this year is the inability to stop the run because of the way it just leaks everything else. Right. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, you can say that. And at the same time, say the special teams are atrocious. Complementary well, football yeah. never happens. This yeah. defense that has everybody back, never freaking forces a turnover. And yeah. if the guys just catch the football, then the game is completely different and yeah. they can't do all those little things. I mean, they have three field goals blocked on the year. They consistently give up returns in a league where nobody else makes returns. They never certainly have a return, right? And, like, again, you score early, but you don't score enough. And teams are just running it right at you for six, eight, ten yards a pop over and over again. Even a team like the Bills, that the last thing they want to do is line up and run the ball behind their tackles. That's just not who they are. But they did it to 170-some yards today. I
3: thought you had a great point during the game, like the fact that the Bills really didn't practice this week. Obviously, we all know about what was going on in Buffalo. They had one practice on Wednesday. You said, <clears throat> excuse me, they were missing seven guys because they were sick. And the, I mean, let's be honest, the past game looked out of rhythm for them early on. There was four or five plays in the first half where we looked at each other like, what the, what the hell are you doing? Like, where's where? what is Josh seeing or where is he going with that or? You know they, they had mat- they had mismatches in their favor and they didn't even look that way like they were just completely disjointed and and disorganized offensively and it didn't matter because they just they just absolutely gashed the Browns on the ground and I looked at you right toward the half and and you know the Browns were dominating dominating time and possession dominating the plays dominating yardage dominating every facet of the game and I looked at you and said they're moving asses around today and yet it's ten to three and it can be tied like that and not Thirty seconds later, fumbled snap. Bills Mm-mm. go down and score, and, right. and that and that felt like it. Yeah, that that was the moment.
2: The the Bills had points today before they had a first down. Like they just they could not get anything going, uh, at all. And and the Browns had chances to to do that and to separate and to make it a completely different game. Um, and then as soon as they started running the ball, they didn't. And obviously that turnover hurts. And you know with the two failed sneaks, um. Is he allergic to taking the points? Yeah. I mean, this is his M.O. He, does he think and does he have a track record of saying the snake works? Yes, but it didn't work on third down. And I would have liked to have seen. Obviously, we're talking hindsight here. Start of the second quarter, Chubb Wildcat, losses seven. What in the hell? Now, they still throw two touchdown passes the next two plays, and they both get dropped. But what what's, what's going on? This, this is the definition of too cute. Right. And I just feel like as soon as we established that we could fairly say that the run defense is the biggest problem. We're right back into like six other things. Yeah. Um, this is a team that's seven and 13 in its last 20 games. This is a team that, as we know, is three and seven this year. Um, you know, it, it's it's been an inconsistent team in many areas, you know, um, which is bad. It's shown that there's enough talent to be better. They've been in games and, and had chances, but I, I mean, I I don't think uh, let's just go to the big picture. I don't think that Kevin Stefanski or Andrew Barry are going anywhere this year. You know, it, it, three months from now, two months from now, whatever day it is. But I don't know also that either one of them has much of a case to think that they can be part of the solution. I mean, what has Andrew Berry done? He went and got this quarterback who we're waiting on to see. I mean, he's drafting guys in the third round who don't belong in the league. Right. Go back and look at what's their third round draft history. We talked about
3: it last week, not on the podcast. Jordan Elliott.
2: Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz. And then this year, um, Martin Emerson and and David Bell, both of whom, you know, look like they're going to be. Emerson looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Emerson's legit. Yeah. He's, he's good. I mean, he, he, he looks like a rookie, but he's, he's big and fast and he's going to play in the league for a long time. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. And, you know, they built the. Again, I say it every week, the continuity of the third year, which this team hasn't had for 15 years of keeping the GM, keeping the coordinators, keeping the systems. It's supposed to lead to growth. It's supposed to help you pick better players, help you get out of situations that come up in games that every team has, right? It's supposed to allow you to take off. You've seen it all. Every guy on this defense is back. And they're much, much worse. Much, much worse. Right? And, again, wh- whoever is the coordinator tomorrow, Tuesday, two Tuesdays from now, there's not enough talent there in the front seven. There, There's some top-end talent. But, I mean, they're, the defensive tackles are not NFL-quality players. They're just not.
3: No, they're not. And they know it. The, the locker room knows it. They know right. what they're playing with. They know that they're shorthanded up front. And it's just leading to frustration
2: for everyone on that side of the ball. I mean, they, they signed this uh, another small defensive tackle off of Miami's practice squad on Tuesday They get him in here. He has a week of practice. He's an, he's a 25 year old undrafted rookie. Again, he was on the dolphins practice squad. They bring him in. He's he started the second half today, five days in Cleveland. Uh, We don't have the snap counts in front of me. You know, I did see him show up on one play, but he started. So, that tells me he's better than what they have. Taven Bryan was their first free agent this year. He's, so a, right. ghost. he's, a,
3: he's ghost. a ghost. He's I mean, a ghost. I mean, hey, Togi, I hit a quarterback today. It was a 15 yard roughing call, but Togi, I finally hit a quarterback. Might be the first time all year he hit the quarterback.
2: Right. And, you know, today you played inside because of the circumstances. And two weeks from today, you play inside, but you play in the AFC North in every other game is in Ohio, Western PA, or wherever the hell the commandos play, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Like AFC AFC North football, like to ignore the defensive tackle and mostly ignore the linebacker position. Oh, Jacob Phillips was a third-round pick. He played three of the worst games an NFL linebacker could ever play in his third year. Third. Deion Jones' bench, they didn't even start. Right. Uh, he, he Tony was so Fields last week. Tony was playing Fields, in front of Deion Jones.
3: Yep. Yes. He was so bad last week, him. I did see Jones in on some some uh, passing downs. I saw him blitzing on passing downs. But
2: uh, aside from that, I, I don't know if he was even on the field. Yeah, I just glanced at the chat question from Justin. Are they all bad football players or there is just no development? Um. It's, it's fair to ask because, like I said, I, I think this is a group, a, a regime – is it sees the big picture and has obviously spent and gone and, you know, like most regimes, values more positions than others. But as soon as there's an adjustment to be made, as soon as there's a plan B, there's either no one there. Or, you know, when is the last guy that we saw really get developed and, and take off? I mean, JOK and Newsom both looked really good last year as rookies. Right. Have they gotten any better? Not this year. No, not this year. <laughs> no. Um I, I guess you could say that despite a cornerback emergency, when when your number two corner and your only slot corner gets a concussion on Friday afternoon in practice, they didn't get destroyed today. Um, you know, somebody lost. Somebody was playing man in the rest of his ever, or zone, and everybody else was playing man on the touchdown to Diggs. But it's not like they got abused by Diggs and Gabe Davis. They, it, it's just the Bills eventually settled in, and to, to settle themselves in, they had to run the ball. And they ran it with such success that they were able to settle down and take the lead. And then, that changes everything. And the Browns' offense just consistently did stupid stuff and got itself in second and 10, first and 15, second and 18. And no offense wants to be that, but especially this offense is not going to thrive in that situation.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
3: I wrote about it this morning. You alluded to it this week. I touched on it earlier in case anyone hadn't been on the site, hadn't seen it. The Browns run defense by EPA measures is the worst since the stat was developed by True Media dating back to 2000. That's as far back as the, as the data goes as 2000. And this Browns run defense is the worst since the data started being collected. Like this, this is historically bad and right. like, are, are the players badly upgraded? Yes. But you mean to tell me that these are the worst defensive tackles in the NFL in the last 22 years? Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe that's it. I, I just, I, and that's the one change because last year, you know, they had different tackles in the middle. And while they weren't great, they were better than this. I, I just, I, I'm just, when I see things like that, when I see things like a defensive total rush EPA of minus 30, like the Browns have given up 35 points on the ground this year. Mm-hmm. And the next close, the next worst team is the Lions at minus 10 minus like 10. That, that's how big the
2: gap is. The next the gap, Yeah. Like three years ago, the Panthers had like a minus 19 for the season. And that's huge outlier. And, and the Browns are t-
3: twice as bad. Right. Like the the gap between 32 and 31 is basically the same as 31 and 15. Right. right. It, it is stunning how bad it is. Right. And, and nothing. Cha- I, I got guys in the locker room telling me today, nothing changes. Like this isn't working, and we don't change anything. Yeah. Like the fr- the frustration, I'm telling you guys, the frustration is boiling over. Like you're gonna start, you're gonna start seeing the quotes come out <clears throat> from today, from the locker room today, of defensive guys
2: are fed up with everything.
3: There, there was the- a
2: sequ- yeah, there was a sequence early when the Browns were dominating the game and the Bills were, um, and and. I, you know, you just have to to see it. I don't even know that I can do it justice talking it through. But they put their rookie running back, James Cook, in the game. Now, he has not played much. He's a third or fourth round pick. Super talented guy. They, they You know, the Bills were drafting from a position of strength. They needed, they needed to upgrade a running back. And they thought, OK, we can bring this guy along slowly. Well, they bring him into the game like the third or fourth drive. And, and they're searching for answers. And they run a screen. And he's just not in the right place. And it ends up being a three and out. But. You could tell, like, the goal was to get him in the game because they knew, like, okay, we're going to have a chance to slash it. They just called the wrong play. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of stuttering and stammering around. But as soon as he came in the game, it was like, okay, this is – they know. And then by two possessions later, they had settled in. Singletary got a couple of runs. Cook ended up busting a couple big ones. Like, they just knew. So, um, you know, in the NFL, no matter how good you are, and Josh Allen's freaking phenomenal, you have to practice you know, you have to, it, the other team gets paid too. And and the Browns came out with a much better defensive plan and much better defensive effort. Um, they couldn't sustain it because the bills are the bills and the offense didn't help. So um, it's, it's a lot of things. And I'm seeing the comments and, and I said it to you during the game. I've said it to you many times. They just don't win the significant downs. They just never are stacking The two or three plays in a row to sustain that drive, to follow up the stop. You know, the defense just doesn't take the ball away, period, right? But like punt them to the six and get a turnover or get a three and out and get the ball back. You know, score and get a quick three and out. Like the Browns dominated the first 20 or so minutes of this game. And what do they have to show for it? Well, they got their asses kicked again.
3: Somebody just wants to come up Let's bring him up. It's it I, there's no name. It's a dot. This makes me nervous. <laughs> All right, I'll bring him
0: up. All right, dot. All right, you're dot, up. you're up. Uh before the game, uh Perrian Winfrey tweeted that this was the worst uh year of his life. And then he later uh, deleted his tweet. Zach, what do you what are your sources telling you about what's going on with Perrianne Winfrey?
2: Well, um, you know, I think he's not been playing for disciplinary and maturity reasons. Now this week he was on the injury report. He it was illness, he wasn't there. Um I, I don't know in details, but you know, clearly um we have another situation of of the tweet to tackle ratio being way out of balance had with, <laughs> with Matt Wilson for a long time. Um you the know, tweet I, to tackle ratio I, I, I guess that they're the reason the Perry Winfrey who was in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 and Dane Brugler's top 55, I think was there in the fourth round is because teams had the book on him. right? The Browns took a chance He's a talented player at a clear position of need, and he's not ready to, to be an NFL, be a pro. And that reflects poorly on the Browns, you know, le- to the Browns credit, we haven't heard the smart, tough, accountable bullshit in months because they know right the Malik McDowell thing the Deshaun Watson thing now Perry on Winfrey but like you take these guys and you know you, you get outside your your template um you, you take these guys and you get punished and like third and fourth round picks every team misses on them right and you're not you're supposed to be as you go down the road not drafting for dynamite game-changing starters there you're drafting for depth for fulfilling for needs for guys that you can bring along in one two three years but when you have third rounders who can't even play in the league that hurts you now and it really hurts you later and again like jacob phillips can't play in this league jordan elliott starts does he ever do anything anthony schwartz can't play in this league perry Ann winfrey fourth round not there they drafted the kicker in the fourth round He's in his own head. Like, this is bad. And Deshaun Watson, at even a little bit as advertised of Deshaun Watson, will, will help things. But he's not going to solve everything. We don't know how long it's going to be. And if we have a mutiny in the locker room, or if we have a coach or coaches whose message is just not resonating, and we clearly have a roster that's not as talented as it was and has some pretty glaring holes. Um, and you don't have a first rounder for two more years. And it's not like they're going to have no cap money, but they're not going to have the abundance that they've had for many off seasons past. Um, there's there's some real, real big decisions and real tough spots ahead for getting this thing fixed, because as you guys have mentioned, and as you know, you have to develop players. You have to get your own guys Right. Um, sometimes you have to recognize right away that you don't have it right and you make that adjustment and this is adjustments from in the game to on the sideline to the overall plan has just been missing from this team and that's why they've won seven times in their last 20 games
1: looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub. Has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over twenty years, providing a one hundred percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets, and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of the Athletic.
3: Uh, let's bring Sarah. Let's see what Sarah has to say.
2: What does Mike Briefer have to do to get fired? Every single aspect of special teams is horrendous. They can't block kicks, or they they can't get kicks off because they're blocked. They can't uh, defend any type of return. They can't punt. They can't do anything. Like, what kind of blackmail does he have? It's a a fair question because it gets worse. It's become a running joke.
3: Yeah, they got gashed on a couple returns again today. The punter was terrible. Uh, Another kick blocked. I I think there's going to be massive changes uh, this off season, but again, like I started this with, they they may have to come sooner than that. Um, But yeah, I I don't think Creeper will be back next year. I I don't think, I don't think Joe's
2: back. I don't think Creeper's back next year. And Jason, I I think this gets you into the, to the gray area here is we pretty much admit that the change is inevitable. We also pretty much admit it doesn't change a ton in the short term when this team is clearly not going to the playoffs. Right. 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 But like, are you going to have guys flat quit? How ugly is it going to get in December? I mean, again, I don't think there's any intention and I don't want to speak for these owners because I certainly, they, they make decisions all the time that I don't know what the hell they're they're doing. But I don't think, although there's, I don't think there's any intention to make sweeping changes. You know, I I also don't, I think these guys got to help themselves. These guys being Barry and Stefanski, and they haven't done that. They haven't. And if it does get real ugly, if we do have people quit in December or the shit just continues to pile up, then then I think everything is on the table because I think it would be I think you could sit here and say it's silly. Sean hasn't played. They're not firing anybody, but he would be even silly or flat stupid, quite frankly, to act like that this couldn't get worse, that this couldn't be the December of Brea that we've seen 11 times in 18 years or whatever it is.
3: I mean, they were in it last year. They, theoretically, they were in it until January. Like, they're, they're already out of it. It's not even Thanksgiving.
2: Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, they're way out. I mean, they've been out since, since two and four. Um, but you know, at, at that point, there's a ton of season left. Now there's not a ton of season left. It's Thanksgiving this week. They're out. So, um, yeah, I, I, what goes on with the special teams is amazing because this is not even 15 years ago when the Browns were winning because they had Josh Cribs, Phil Dawson, Dave Zassadil, and Ryan Pompriant, and those guys were like winning games. This is just don't melt down special teams ball, right? Like Don't get a penalty every time there's a kick. Don't fumble the ball. Don't give up 40-yard returns or 20-yard returns because nobody does. The Browns do. And... You know, it, it's, it's just really bad. And, it, and again, this is supposed to be year three, you have stability in the roster. You're supposed to know who plays on the special teams. There is nothing new in pre first message the operation from the start. It feel like they upgraded kicker. They feel like they upgraded punter. You know, last year they had to go get a pun. They had to go get Colquitt out of the retirement home <laughs> because they cut Jamie Gillen in the middle of the year. Right. He flopped. Um, But it's not there. Like, it's just not good enough. They extended the long snapper a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's where I am, Jason, is like, I, those you're going to have at least two new coordinators next year. But to do it now, I, I don't know what it solves. <clears throat> and, again, I know there's a seismic shift coming in, in eight days. Um, but I, I just... I still think this is really combustible and I think Kevin gets lost in the flow of the game. Right. And I think directly frustrations that go towards woods and what guys say and put their name to on the record. I can't believe that it's, there's also not stuff for the head coach. And I just think it's a completely robotic organization that struggles with adjustments, that struggles with the human element and is is seeing that it's had a lot of whiffs. And I, I, I just, I look at the blank look on Kevin's face and I think this is not good. And it's over and over and over again. And it's run down after the game to hear what Miles has to say. Not about a three-sack game. Not about the this play was good and this play was bad and here's where we got better this week. It's They had a very detailed plan to attack our weaknesses. We're wasting players' primes. <laughs> yeah. We're not in the right place. Practice isn't good enough. I mean, this is five-alarm shit. This is how everybody gets fired. Yep. Yep,
3: I I left and came back, so I missed half your I don't know what happened. I was. Having uh, a I'm after.
2: saying the same stuff over and over again. Quite <laughs> uh, I mean, we got
3: one. We got one more in the queue. Let's take. All right, let's in go there. to We're Alex. To wrap it up.
1: Yeah, we
2: gotta. I gotta get to writing. Alex, you're up.
1: Uh, you you sort of just touched on my question a little bit, but if there's anything to expand on, you're hearing all these reports about lack of leadership, and you know that seems very sports talk, sports speak. And and my question was really about Sapansky. Like, we get the version that we see in the press conferences, but do you guys have any read on what he's like, I don't know, when they're game planning or doing strategy? Like, every once in a while you'll see a clip and he kind of seems more out of a shell than we know, but I just wonder if any of that matters in a sport that can be pretty adrenaline-driven and, you know... uh,
2: all those things, but, but thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. Um, do we know what he's like in the game planning? and no? Do I think he's intentionally in front of the camera is way more boring than he actually is? Yes. And I think that there's evidence. I, I, I've not spent a ton of time with him. Um, but he is so hell bent on never giving an inch of anything. We wouldn't know that, but I do think he tries too hard to be somebody he's not boring. Doesn't win. You have to command that room. You have to command that huddle. These seasons are long. They're too long. Um, You have personalities, you have guys with different agendas and you have to be able to get their attention and boring does not do it. And, you know, even if he's going out of his way to be boring with us, I mean, Jason would for a season and a half now, he's been boring on the sideline and boring in the press conferences while they're out there putting out a subpar product every single Sunday.
3: Yeah. I think he's got a lot more personality than what he reveals publicly to the media and, and, I mean, therefore, to the fans. Uh, listen, it hasn't been good enough for the last two years. It hasn't been good enough, certainly the last year and a half. And I'm not going to defend that, even though somehow I get labeled as the Stefanski apologist. I think that's hilarious because I've just been as hard on him as everybody else. But I do think that the level of calm that he brings is something that this not calm organization needs. Like that's what I. That's why I like him for the sort of the stability and the even hand. Because the owners are insane, and so I like the this the even keelness of him. I mean, we've had big personalities here before. You know, Freddie was a big personality. Greg Williams is a big personality. They weren't very good football coaches. So I, it, it it would be nice to have some blend of a good football coach with personality. And I just I'm not ready to pull the plug on it yet with him. I do think changes need to come to the staff soon. But I just think his steadiness, his approach is what an organization like this needs. And it's got to get better. I mean, listen, everybody starts on the hot seat day one next year. If they survive, if Andrew survives and Kevin survives this year, there's going to be a short leash, I do believe, next year. It better look really good really quick uh, because I don't know how much more patient this ownership group will be. But to, I, I just I I like the calmness and the calm demeanor that. And and I do think that he's got more fire and personality behind the scenes that we don't see. Uh, but I, but overall, he is a very much what you see is what you get in terms of a steady hand. I'm, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth
1: on that, though. Well, like, Can I add a quick tiny addendum? You guys may have missed the broadcast, but there was a moment when Sean McDermott, uh, like clearly Stefan Diggs was not getting the ball and he was all upset. And he, Sean McDermott, like went over to him, tossed him into his ear. And then Stephon Dix, like, went back to the bench and, like, was patting people on the back. And I was like, I'm so jealous of that kind of <laughs> Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I've seen
1: Kevin do that. I've seen Kevin go up to guys on the sideline.
3: He's in Brissette's year all the time. And I've seen him in other guys' ears as well for both good and bad reasons. Like, I think sometimes we get a little carried away with the Kevin just stands out there and doesn't move and
2: he's motionless and emotionless. I have seen him. Okay, you you could say people get carried away with that, but I think it's perfectly fine and reasonable for someone who's watching on their couch or on a bar stool or sitting here in Section 318 to say, you know what? Our run defense is historically bad, and I would love to see the head coach throw the headset. I would love to see the head coach run out there and demand better from his players who are making a lot of money and not tackling anybody. I'd love to see
3: Kevin jump in a defensive huddle
2: one time and tear somebody's ass up. I'd love to see that. Yeah, that's
3: fair. But let's I just I'm just saying don't act, let's not act like he never gets in guy's ears
2: because he does. But I would like
3: to see more emotion out of him at times.
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so so there's insane ownership with a quick trigger. Um there's a quarterback who is your franchise who might as well be your coach and GM too based on what you paid him. He hasn't played in 700 days. You have this international man of mystery Paul De who's been with the team for since 2016. Um, he was not involved heavily in the Dorsey years when they actually brought good players in. Every team he's been involved with stinks. Um, then you have Andrew Barry, who's drafting guys who can't play at all. He brought in the quarterback. He did. But n- you know none of his picks look like even above-average players, let alone pro bowlers. And you have a boring coach who's stuck with his staff that's clearly failing. He's going to need to make at least two coordinator changes. And they're all going to go into the season on the hot seat. And what's the batting average of people that come into a season on a hot seat? How, how many do they stay? Other than that, everything's fine. But I do think that Deshaun is what could change everything. He, he, could, he could change I, everything. I can, listen, I can listen to that. But if, if I'm the owner and I have Andrew and Kevin sitting there and I say, why, why should I trust that you are the two to get turned turnaround? Deshaun goes in that column. And where does the rest go? Well, how do we know that Jimmy isn't the one that put Deshaun in that column? Because I'm pretty sure he did. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right about that. Okay. So then that's even more reason to say you guys got to go. This is Deshaun's organization now.
3: <laughs> well, and maybe he is consulted. Who knows? Maybe they do ask him after the season. Do you want these guys or do you want somebody else? Who knows? I don't know.
2: I mean, it, It. you know, Tony Fields had played one defensive snap in a year and a half in the NFL before last week when he played 10. And today he's, today he's first in line against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Taven Bryan's a first-round flop who didn't play last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's your first free agent. Yep. The tackles
3: and linebackers. I, I don't know how you fix it, Zach. I don't know.
2: I mean, <laughs> right. And it would be one what thing, co- Jason, if we sat here. You, what yeah.
3: confidence do you have that this
2: regime can pick the right defensive? None. Players? This is what I'm saying. Like, I, even three, four weeks ago, and I've written this, I've talked about it here, and we've talked about it privately. Even three four weeks ago, I said they're playing the long game they're fine a lot of changes but i I don't have any faith in the head coach or GM right now I like them both personally it is not like they've both gotten F minuses I mean we know they they won a playoff game and that has not happened here since I was in high school previously right um but I'm watching what goes on I know the rosters are around the league I'm at the games I see what it looks like I see a team is completely going in the wrong direction. Yeah.
3: Oh, that's indisputable. Like yeah. That, can't, that cannot be debated.
2: So. Um, yeah. So look, Jacoby Brissett was really good today for three quarters. Amari Cooper and DPJ continue to be good. That's that's promising. That's big for the future. Um. The defense showed up with a much better game plan. That's again, that's ultimate low bar stuff, but they did. You know, as I said, Jason, it's so few and far that you notice John Johnson and Clowney making impactful plays that you really notice it when it happens. And that happened today. Yeah. Right. But they shredded in, 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 to close it up here, it would be one thing if we sat here and drilled down, okay, the run defense is so, so bad that it reflects poorly on everyone and it's making them leak in every other areas and it's making it hard to win games, but it's one thing. It Even, even that being true is one thing you're talking about and you're talking about an organization without much foundation. And you're talking about consistently losing in the big spots. And we know an NFL game is always going to come down to the fourth quarter and always going to come down to a few plays. And today they scored twice in the four minutes because it's in the last four minutes, but that's because the game was over. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> all right guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. We both got writing to do. Um this has been the civilized barking post game podcast the live room. We appreciate your feedback. And a little bit of an interesting week ahead with with Thanksgiving and all of that, but there will be more podcasts. There'll be plenty for you guys to read. And if there are changes on the staff tomorrow, then we will have them covered. If there aren't, then we will have that covered too. Thank you guys very much. We we do appreciate the feedback. Um I just tell the story. I'm at my kid's basketball game yesterday. And all of a sudden I look and there's someone sitting six inches from me. And he says, uh, I- I'm the one that says all that shit about Denzel Ward. In my life. <laughs> and I said, all right, man, good to see you. So, <laughs> That's awesome. all right, guys, thanks for coming.